From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. Uh, yeah. This is our time, you first met Niecy Nash as a comedic actress on shows like Reno 911. But the short-lived HBO series Getting On, which mixed comedy with plenty of drama, gave Nash a chance to show off another side of her acting skills, something we've since seen most recently on the TNT series Claws and the Netflix limited series When They See Us. It, w- it took a long time for me, but what I will tell you that I know to be true is that people who can make you laugh can make you cry. It's not the other way around. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you look at the work that Robin Williams did and um, Jim Carrey and, you know, some of the people who we consider to be our comedy greats, Carol Burnett, when they took that turn and did drama, everybody was like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? But you're not seeing a predominantly dramatic actor then turn and try to be funny because funny cannot be taught. Either you have the timing or you don't. So I'm, I'm very, it took a while, but I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to thread the needle. On this edition of the podcast, we talked to Nisi Nash about her favorite episode of TV, the pilot to Getting On, as well as playing Dolores Wise, one of the mothers of the Central Park Innocent Five on Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, and also her favorite moment on Claws. It's my favorite episode. I can see why all these baby chicks My favorite episode, episode, let's talk TV, TV, my favorite episode makes me so happy. happy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Variety's My Favorite Episode. Let's give it up for your host, Michael Schneider. Thank you, DJ Omar Khan, for the theme song. It's my favorite episode, and this time out, we're talking to Nisi Nash. Nash's pick is personal. It's the first episode of Getting On, the three-season show that aired from 2013 to 2015 on HBO. Nash starred as Dee Dee Ortley on Getting On as a new nurse at an extended care unit in Long Beach, California. Based on a British series of the same name, the show first premiered on November 24, 2013 and ran for just 18 episodes overall. The premiere episode, Born on the Fourth of July, was written by Mark Olson and Will Schaefer and directed by Miguel Arteta. The pilot episode introduces us to Dee Dee, played by Nash, on her first day as a nurse at the Billy Barnes Extended Care Unit, caring for elderly patients and learning the ropes from fellow nurse Don Forchette, played by Alex Borstein, while also encountering eccentric Dr. Jenna James, played by Lori Metcalf, and her bizarre fecal study. Found a feces in a chair. No. No, uh, the incident reports need to be really, really specific. Okay, what else should I put? Well, for starters, it's not a feces, it's just feces. But, I mean, it wasn't a gang of them, it was just one piece. But, yeah, but there's no singular form for feces. It's not feces or a feces, it's just feces. Who found it? Me. And when did they find it? I found it. See, this is my name right here. Technically, because it's a potential agent of infection, we would have environmental services come down to collect it, but the backlog is horrendous. So I'm just going to go ahead and have you red bag it. If it'll make it quicker, I could just pick it up with a Kleenex, wipe off the chair with some bleach. Yeah, that might be what you do at home, but you cannot do that in the hospital. There's a certain protocol. I'm glad somebody enjoys working on a national holiday. I'm completely over it. The show earned Nash two Emmy nominations for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, And she said the show was a game changer for her. 
Ava DuVernay cast her in Selma after seeing her on the show, and it also led to a guest arc for Nash on The Mindy Project and even the lead role on Claws. We recently sat down with Nash to talk about her Emmy contenders, When They See Us, and of course Claws, and began by talking about the lasting impact of Getting On. Yeah, it was a show that I did three seasons of on HBO. Um, I actually ended up being nominated for an Emmy for the role of Dee Dee Ortley yeah. twice. Twice, yeah. In the three in the three seasons, but it was season one, episode one. Yeah, the, so the pilot episode, born on the Fourth of July, which uh, uh, aired back in uh, twenty thirteen. I want to say. I- I think it was my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It's, it sets up the series, obviously. And we, we get to see a lot of fun things, including you attempting to speak Cambodian. Um. Including that, which was... And the reason why I love that particular scene so much is because you... It's the kind of thing where you can't really prepare. Yeah. Because you don't know how the other actress, played by my friend Alex Borstein... Yeah. Um, I don't know how she's going to interpret the Cambodian. I don't know exactly what she's going to say. And then I have to take, it's like a game of telephone. And then I have to take what she says and figure it out and try to relay it to the woman on the phone. And it just became this beautiful symphony of foolishness. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved it. Oh, it was fun to watch the two of you just play back and forth. And of course, in the back of your mind, you're like, why don't they just do speakerphone, which they eventually try to do. But it's it's like, but the absurdity. Because they didn't have a speakerphone. I had to just hold the phone out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just in being able to work with Lori Metcalf also, who is a comic genius as far as I'm concerned. Um, it was just, and, you know, there was a lot, I spent a lot of time in my career being told that I could only do one thing. You do broad comedy. That's your lane. And I'm like, no, I can do something else. And so, you know, when I finally got the opportunity, this was the first time to step into those waters. So that's another reason why I loved it, because tonally it was so different for me. Yeah. Um, visually it was very different for me. I do a lot of TV where, you know, I have on five packs of hair, three pairs of eyelashes, <laughs> 45 spanks. But this was a very stripped down um, character and the beats in it and finding the comedy was, it was just so fun. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember, I mean, take me back to when they uh, when, when they were setting the show up. Did they approach you? Is it something that you went out, out, out for or... Uh, you know, how did you get involved with that show? I actually auditioned for the role of Don Forchette. Right. And at the audition, I said, can I read this other character? And they told me, no. <laughs> they said, we don't see you as that character. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, let me tell you what I love about her. And I just t- went, and, and the way I talked about her, they finally said, well, fine. Do you want to come back on Friday? And I said, no, I do not. I am here right now. <laughs> and they were like, well, we don't even have the sides for you to read. I said, it's okay. I can wait. Yeah. And I waited, and I came back in, and they said as soon as I walked out, that was um, Mark Olson and Will Schaefer and directed by Miguel Ortega. And when I walked out, they were like, 
that's the girl. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the tenacity paid off, obviously. Sure did. So, you know, it's interesting. I do hear from a lot of performers, even now, and, and you feel like in this age of peak TV, people are more willing to take a chance on, on stars who maybe are doing something different or want to get out of their comfort zone. But yet people still sort of really, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say stereotype, but really sort of pigeonhole uh, actors once they see them in one role, and I imagine that's got to be frustrating when you want to do something different, that they see you one way, and that's the roles that you're approached for. And how difficult is that to kind of break out of that? Well, it w- it took a long time for me. But what I will tell you that I know to be true is that people who can make you laugh can make you cry. Mm-hmm. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you look at the work that Robin Williams did and um, Jim Carrey and, you know, some of the people who we consider to be our comedy greats, Carol Burnett, when they took that turn and did drama, everybody was like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're not seeing a predominantly dramatic actor then turn and try to be funny because funny cannot be taught. Yeah. Either you have the timing or you don't. So I'm I'm very, it took a while, but I'm I'm very blessed to be able to thread the needle. Yeah. You know, yeah. on both sides. Yeah, which is handy now because television has gotten so complex that, uh, you know, there, there are fewer straight-ahead comedies or yeah. dramas. You, you have these rich dramedies. Getting On was, you know, one of the early ones, uh, you know, earlier in this decade to thread that needle. Yeah. And, and now we see a lot of shows, both half hour and hour, uh, uh, approaching that. Yeah. Um, what else did you like about that show? I mean, it got uh, great reviews. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it wasn't on for long. It was only 18 episodes. But it, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, You know, one of the things I really liked about it a lot is that there isn't, there wasn't a place in television for our actors and actresses of a certain age mm. to go and still get work. So the first part of it is that Lori, myself, and Alex are all women of a certain age. And then you have women and men that were, you know, significantly older than us that could still come and get a great guest star part and could come and still find work. I mean, we work with uh, Ann Gilbert, who goes all the way back to the Dick Dick Van Dyke show, who was one of our series regulars. You know, she goes all the way back to vaudeville. Where was she going to get a job as a series regular at that age? Well, right over there with us. Yeah. You know, and I love that we had these women who I will call seasoned, who still had a playground. It was delicious. Funny storylines and all of it. Yeah, yeah. Funny and heartbreaking at the same time, obviously. The the subject matter, tough. And and I think, you know, it, it was interesting very positive reviews, but there was always a couple of people who just couldn't get past sort of the underlying depressing state of, you know, what these women, who, who these people were working with and, and what the, you know, ta- uh, mortality and, and some of the darker issues. You could not want to talk with. about it and you could feel the way you feel about it, but it is inevitable. Yeah. So find the funny in it and keep it pushing. Yeah. That's my advice <laughs> because we are all going to leave here. So what did this show do for you and, and your career? What, uh, how did, was it a, a, a pivot point? Uh, did you start to get different kinds of scripts after it? Getting on was a game changer for me. Um, I ended up getting a phone call on a Sunday morning from Ava DuVernay, who said, I saw you in a scene on Getting On, and I said, that's my Richie Jean. Will you please come be in the movie Selma? And I said, girl, you had me at hello. Let me put my sweatpants <laughs> on. Um, so... I ended up getting that role. Then I ended up getting a guest arc uh, written for me on the Mindy Project. Then 
And this is all because of that. And I also, the thing that um, the creators and showrunners of Claws, it was the project that they saw and said, we think this is the girl to lead this series. So there's a lot of, you know, blessings that came out of it, even though it was short-lived. And, you know, a two-time Emmy nominee for, you know, my work on the show. Not bad, not bad. Not bad. For something they told me I couldn't do. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, how how was your Emmy experience, those those two uh, trips? Uh, That's always got to be an interesting, surreal experience to be a nominee at at, uh, the Emmys. You know what? You just kind of keep pinching yourself. You know, you're like, what is happening? But luckily, in the supporting category, they announce it first. So you don't have to sit there all night a nervous wreck. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, but it was, it was, you know, you feel like a princess. You get the custom gown, you get the cute boy in the tuxedo, <laughs> you know, all of those good things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then you get to really fellowship with your peers, some of which you haven't had the opportunity to meet yet. You know what I mean? So it's a great night. Yeah, yeah. No, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're right. It's kind of a, you know, a fraternity of, of uh, nominees in a way. And you have to do all these, this, this campaigning. I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, we're kind of talking right now during Emmy season. What, what do you make of the, uh, the, the whole campaign of it all? Uh, do you enjoy it or is it just a part of the job? I just think it comes with it. You know, it comes with the territory. So you, you know, part of wanting to get your shows out there and wanting to, you know, people to see what you're doing. And it's a necessary evil because because the landscape is so crowded. Yeah. So you have to bring attention to the projects that you're doing so that people can find it. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and uh, you know, obviously that was fantastic. Getting on, like we mentioned, uh, you know, ended after three seasons. Uh, was there surprise, disappointment, uh, understanding? Was there always a feeling that this was going to be sort of a, that was going to be a short order series? No, I think that um, getting on wasn't necessarily shiny enough in the moment mm-hmm. that it was on. You know what I mean? You have such big thro- big shows that were coming out of HBO at the time. You know, Ballers and Game of Thrones and all of these big, loud shows. And this was just a tiny, small little thing, which probably should have been on the streaming service. You know what I mean? In order for it to have a real uh, shelf life. I mean, a long life yeah. before it got on the shelf. Yeah, it was just a couple years before the streaming revolution. Mm-hmm. and uh, but, but it's still there, and luckily you can still find it on HBO even now if you want to go back and, and watch it. Oh, but, yeah, you can. But like you said, it uh, opened the door for other opportunities, and, and that leads us down to Claws. Yes. So, and, uh, you know, I also asked you to pick your favorite Claws episode, and you also picked the first episode, which is, you know, a, a classic as well, uh, the, the introduction. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, that, that uh, you know, that famous fight scene toward the end of the episode. I still uh, feel bad for all that nail polish that just ended up on the floor. But um, <laughs> take, take me back to shooting the pilot to Claws. Well, I think that there's something always interesting when you are introducing the audience to who these characters really are. Um, And it's your first time meeting them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like your first kiss. You don't get a do-over. Yeah. You know, that's it. The first one is the first one with the person. So that first time of meeting these women and trying to unpack their backstories and figure out who everyone is and how they fit, um, I, I just... 
I enjoy that a lot because you're leaned in in a different way because you want to know who's who and how how are these relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pilots, I mean, they have to unpack a lot in, mm-hmm. in a short amount of time. And you know, I mean, we had women, we had attempted murder, we had yeah. mayhem, foolishness, a fight. I mean, it was just a lot going There's on. There's a lot in that first episode. And uh, it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. You've got, like, and so many different characters you had to explore. Um, you had, uh, you know... A lot of the beginnings of threads, uh, you know, the the, the Russians, uh, you know, the the beginning of what's going to go down there, um, you know, and then you even have Dean Norris show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's chock a block full full of uh, entertainment. Um, there you go. Uh, remember how you uh, got involved with Claws? Uh, refresh my memory on. I got on how a phone you... call. Um... I did a pilot for Fox that didn't go, and the day I found out it wasn't going, I got a phone call and said, people from Claws want to see you. I had read the script and forgot about it. Yeah. And then I reread it, and I was like, did I ever read this? Because why didn't I do this from the beginning? This is great. And so I went in, and I took a meeting, and I was getting in my car leaving, and my manager called and said, do you want to do this project? And I said, I'm, I haven't even left the lot yet. He was like, well, they already called, so. Well, so <laughs> it's, it's good right now to be Niecy Nash, I think. Well, yeah. I'm having a good time with it. I said, okay. I yeah. said, yes, I would love to. Yeah. And then I called them back and said, it's important that I read with each girl because I want to make sure, you know, the connective tissue is right. Yeah. And yeah. then um, I tried to date them all separately before filming. Yeah, he had one-on-one. Uh, just one-on-one dates. Yeah. Uh, just to try to get a little bit more of that familiar yeah. energy before we actually started filming. Yeah, check some chemistry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and that worked. And then the whole idea of the, I mean, the script, again, it goes back to what we were talking about, which is such a rich mix of comedy, but then drama, action, uh, suspense, murder. Well, the one thing that I will tell you about that is that, you know, the industry has coined us a drama. I just disagree. Yeah. I, I think that it is, to me, a comedy. Th- that's how I see it in my mind. Yeah. You know, so, and I approach it as such. I mean, you got strippers at a funeral. <laughs> I mean, you got, I mean, you got a, a, a forced Russian wedding where you have to ride up on a horse. I mean, it's so out there yeah. that I feel like in all of these beautiful closet moments where you just break out into a whole song and dance number. So to me, I see it more as a comedy slash dramedy. But the thing that I love about it the most is watching women do things that were typically reserved for men. Yeah. So this is, you know, you would not be surprised to see men you know, selling drugs for the Dixie Mafia or committing crimes, you know, for their families, you know, a la Tony Soprano, a la Breaking Bad, you yeah. know, you, you, you have people doing bad things for a good reason, but they're typically men. Yeah. And so now you get to see women who are badass, who boss up, who, you know, um, don't all look like each other. 
but have a common thread of wanting more out of life by any means necessary. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that I love about Claus is that these women are all so different, but yet they're they're sisters. They're mm-hmm. you know there there is this this relationship, and they all accept each other. And and there's this this you know it's it's just nice to see such a interesting mix and you know a diverse mix of women together mm-hmm. on this show. Um, how important was that to you, and, and how much do you sort of uh, appreciate that part of, of the show? Oh, I love it. I love that you can, you know, turn turn it on and you can find someone who you can identify with. So, you know, representation matters, and so I'm, I'm very happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, take me back to that first episode again, that fight scene. Um, yeah, which I, I think I remember at the time was in all the marketing campaign. That was sort of the, for a lot of people, you know, what is this show? And then they would show that clip, um, which is a lot of fun. Was that fun to shoot? Uh, do you remember uh, much about that day? Um, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, every time we went outside and threw Karuchi on the ground, <laughs> we instantly, as soon as they said cut, became mother hands. You all right? Come on, get her up. And I and I specifically re- remember going to the powers that be saying, I'm going to thank you in advance for giving this little girl a massage and a spa day and everything after this because she has been tossed around like a rag doll. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's typical Desna style to want to take care of everybody else. Not just like, oh, we got the scene. Okay. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You threw this baby around like a rag doll all day. You know, we all did in the name of making the show and and making this scene what it was supposed to be. Now you have to care for her on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. I mean, again, so that that extends beyond on camera, this 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 sort of sisterhood, this relationship. For sure. So um, what's it like now? Uh, Do you. uh, uh, are, what, what would you say is sort of the relationship is between all of you on the show? Oh, we all hate each other now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Um, you know what? We are, we are, we have now spent so much time together that, you know, for a lot of the women, it's more the personal relationship off camera has become deeper and richer. You know, you we're together a lot of hours in a day. So, with that being said, um, our time together has, you know, morphed into more um, of a family off camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, that's that's the fun show. Um, I did want to ask you, you mentioned Ava, and, and obviously you're also in her new project for Netflix, When They See Us. And I've seen the first episode. Uh, and it's uh, just that first episode is gut wrenching. Uh, so I know I'm in for a lot more in, in the subsequent episodes. It's, you know, it's it's obviously tough because it's true, and it's also tough because you know one of the biggest instigators happens to be in the White House right now uh, behind this tragic story. Um, talk about working on this. W- w- would you? Not to put words in your mouth, but was this one of the toughest projects you've ever worked on, or, or how would you sort of characterize? what it was like to, to, to work on this? Um, I would characterize when they see us as a labor of love. Um, a lot of labor and heavy lifting with the subject matter and wanting to be very sensitive to the men now mm-hmm. because sometimes they were on set 
Sometimes their family was on set. Um, and you just want to make sure you're handling the material with care. And then you have your own mental space and well-being. And I'm very, very grateful to Ava because this was the, to date, this is the only project I've ever been on that provided a crisis counseling phone number that you could call during production um, to just make sure you were okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, and and so so needed. And and uh, you know, it feels like maybe people are being more con- considerate on sets that they're they're thinking about these things now. Do you find that sets are a little more safer than they used to be? Or, well, I think what we're like I said for me, this is the only project I've ever been on that um, thought about mental health. Yeah, for the actors and performers, um, who, who you know, cast members. Uh, crew whatever the case may be yeah so i've never experienced that before yeah so yeah. for me that part is brand new yeah yeah well that's i mean that's that's great and and uh, you know i i imagine it it might have been needed given again the subject matter and the fact that like you said uh you know so, some of the real life subjects were there on set mm-hmm. did uh I get a chance to talk to uh any of them uh and uh you know what was sort of your conversation like with them um i've met them all yeah um and I play Dolores Wise, who's the mother of Corey Wise. And the real Corey Wise saw all four episodes. And he came up to me and he said, you were my mother. Wow. And he was like, great job. That's my mother. Yeah. You, you know, and, and we hugged each other. Um, and that was the best, you know, compliment yeah. I could get. I imagine. You know? Because it's hard. You know, you think about it. When you leave the hospital with a baby, the doctors and the nurses don't know you. They don't know your pain. They don't know your backstory. They don't know anything about what you may be struggling with or going through, and they let you leave with this little thing. Nobody stops you. As long as the armbands match, you slide right out that door. And as a mother myself, I know that, you know, people can categorize you as a good parent or a bad parent, but most of the time, we are just doing the best we can at the time with all of our pain, with all of our past, with all of our issues, with everything that we've experienced, we're doing the best we can in that moment. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 tough, and and uh, you know when you watch something like this, it even takes on a, a, a an added sort of drama when you are a parent. And because there are times in it when you feel, in this particular story, absolutely helpless. Yeah. And as a parent, what do you do when you're supposed to be the one to protect and provide, and you can't do neither? Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've got people trying to tell you this is how you can protect your son, but they're they're actually you know sort of, uh, you know, got their own ulterior motives mm-hmm. and, and the system is stacked against you. And, uh, you know, I still can't imagine how those, uh, now they're men, you know, how they are today. I mean, it sounds like they're, you know, they're in, you know, better shape, but after going through that and having to relive it, mm-hmm. it's got to be rough. I, well, it's the kind of thing that changes you forever. Yeah. And you don't know who and what you would have been were it not for this experience. Yeah. So you carry that. 
what do you hope people get out of it when, when they watch it? I hope that, you know, we divorce ourselves in some cases as a society from a rush to judgment and not start with, what did they do? And say, did they do it? Not what did they do? Let's just start with, did they do this? Right. You know what I mean? Before we vilify and and assume. Um, I know for me, I was, you know, being an actress is my do, but my who is to be of service. And after I finished this project as an actress, I said, now how do I serve? It changed me in a way that I said, I definitely want to give my time, my talent, my gifts, and my energy over to helping those who have been wrongfully convicted. And I ended up becoming an ambassador for the Innocence Project Mm. as soon as we wrapped filming. I was like, this cannot stop here. What can I do right now? Yeah. Um, And I hope the takeaway, you know, is one of not being in a rush to judgment, one of finding out the facts first before we crucify a person or persons for something that, you know, they've done. And um, um, I hope that really the biggest point in all of this is that these men have their stories told Mm -hmm. because a lot of things was reported in the paper and by media outlets, but it wasn't from their perspective. It wasn't their experience. It was how society viewed them. And now I'm grateful that they get a chance to have their story being told. Yeah. 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 So that, you know, there's a little bit of justice there. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously you have that and you have claws. So you have two contenders heading into this Emmy season. You're very busy, Niecy Nash. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, new season of claws. Yep. What uh, give us a little uh, taste, a little uh, preview of what we should expect? Well, um, Desna has now inherited a casino. So you know what they say, more money, more profit. <laughs> yes. Um, the, the, the famous uh, poet uh, B.I.G. said that. <laughs> yes. More money, more profit. Yep. So, and, and, and because there is so much more financial, um, uh, there's so much more um, financial things at stake, it tests the relationships uh, with the women on the show. Mm-hmm. And... I can drop a pinch in the bucket and tell you that somebody is pregnant. Oh, oh. Not saying who. All right. But. Stay tuned. There might be a little baby manicurist on the way. We'll see. <laughs> baby Claus. <laughs> it's the spinoff show. It's the animated uh, Claus spinoff that we've been looking forward to. Uh, well, Nisi, thank you so much for coming by. Congrats on, on everything. Uh, good luck uh, with uh, this, this crazy Emmy season. And uh, looking forward to seeing everything. Thank you. Thanks. That's it for this edition of My Favorite Episode. Join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick. 
And be sure to subscribe to my favorite episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you again next time.